Hi everyone, welcome to yet another podcast, Beautiful Voices with Elaine Chiesa. And today we're going to have a discussion around open pollinated variety seeds and its relationship with climate change. So now I have a question. Do you know anything about open pollinated variety seeds? And do you know anything around the Seed Act of 2001. So yeah, do stay, make sure that you listen to this podcast up to the end so that you get to understand more details about this discussion so that you get better informed and have better information. And in today's podcast, we're going to have a guest and her name is Rose Lily Ushewe Kunze. And Rose Lily Ushewe Kunze, she is an eco-feminist a climate justice champion as well as a gender justice champion. So my discussion today with her is going to be more insightful and I hope you will get to learn more about open pollinated variety seeds. Just to give you a brief about open pollinated variety seeds, by definition, these are type of variety of seeds that comes from the multiplication by free pollination of the seed of individuals. So we're going to have more information from Rosalie and do make sure that you follow through up until the end of the podcast so that you get more information and do enjoy. So thank you Rosalie for being a part of this podcast and being able to share your views around open pollinated variety seeds. So my first question to you Rose is, what are open pollinated variety seeds? Like in definition terms, what are they? Open pollinated variety seeds are seeds that result from pollination that is facilitated by agents such as insects, birds, people, wind, and other um, natural agents. And OPV seeds are uncontrolled. Their pollination is uncontrolled. And this makes them uh, genetically more diverse as uh, compared to hybrid seeds and um, it actually allows them to adapt to local conditions particularly right now when we have the climate crisis OPV seeds um, adapt better to climate change as uh, opposed to hybrids. So usually when people are talking about open pollinated variety seeds they're usually doing a comparison between these seeds and hybrid seeds. So in your own opinion, how do hybrid seeds affect food security at household level and at large at the community level? How then do they affect food security in each household? The absence of OPV seeds affects food security at a household and community level, um, particularly in low agricultural output areas. Uh, we need seeds that are going to be able to adapt. Um, more so in this economic crisis, we need uh, seeds that we can save uh, for future use. We do not want to be uh, buying seed every year uh, in order to attain food security. And more so, we do not just want to focus on food security. We also want food sovereignty. We want control of how we produce our food 
we just don't want food security because um, food security has to some extent uh, contributed to to uh, the climate crisis, especially when we look at the, the aggressive agriculture that is uh, practiced in, um, you know, in the sense of trying to achieve food security. So we want food sovereignty. We want to control how we produce our food. We want to control how the, how we produce our seed and also how we store uh, our seed for, for future use. So looking at the Seed Act of 2000, um, how then does it affect around the idea of, you know, indigenous knowledge systems in our country. As a people, we have our own culture, we have our own traditions. And, um, you know, the coming in of such acts like the Seed Act of 2001, how then does it affect around, you know, food security, especially looking at the indigenous knowledge systems? We have those things that have been always been practiced from you know way back and that is still being practiced even up to now but then with such an act how then is it affecting you know around food security and the especially around the indigenous knowledges traditionally we've always had seed banks our local communities, the, uh, the previous societies would always rely on uh, seed banks. That is, seed harvested uh, from that year's produce would be kept and used for uh, agricultural purposes the next year. But now, with hybrid seeds, we cannot do that because um, once you plant a hybrid seed, you cannot plant it the next year and get uh, the same quality yield as uh, the uh, the previous year. So there is some sort of monopolization of the production of seed by seed companies, uh, which is actually a threat to food security in itself. And um, that, that uh, restriction of having hybrid seeds is actually contributing uh, to food insecurity. And people cannot afford to buy seed every year especially for the small and um, medium-scale farmers, they cannot afford to have, to have that. More so, that, that seed is not sustainable. Where we are moving, you know, to sustainable agriculture, where we are talking about uh, agroecology, the use of hybrid seeds is actually detrimental to food security and food sovereignty. So, Rose, what, what's the way forward in working towards a soft, sustainable you know, having safe, sustainable communities, especially around food security, because looking at it, food is something that is crucial. Food is something that is a need. You know, everyone needs food for them to be doing whatever that they're doing. The economy uh, will manage to thrive better if the people have access to food. So then looking at it, what's the way forward, especially looking at um, what the seed act is, you know, put in place, and you know around having the use, around the use of open pollinated variety seeds because looking at it these are the seeds that most communities can be able to afford most communities can be able to use and especially looking at the gap the financial gap between men and women already women are the ones who practice more on the side of 
farming on the side of agriculture, whether it be it rural farming or even the urban um, farming of it, then how best can we be able to build resilience or a self-sustainable communities around uh, food security as a country or as communities from wherever that we're coming from. In order for us to work towards sustainable communities in food security, we need to transform our food systems. We need to move away from aggressive, harmful agricultural practice to more stable and sustainable methods uh, of farming. We need to engage in what we call agroecology, whereby we realize that our agriculture should be in harmony with the ecological environment. So whatever practices that we do should not harm the, the, the whole um, environment. And also, we need to do away with um, policies that restrict food security. For example, we've got the Seed Act of 2001, which actually uh, has restrictions on, uh, on seed banking and seed passing. And we realize that in the time of a climate crisis where we have climate change uh, ravaging the agricultural sector, these are some of the issues that need to be revised so that we, we align our, our, our climatic efforts to uh, our country policies. We also need to uh, find alternatives, focus more on uh, alternative nutrition. And alternative nutrition has always been there in, as part of our indi indigenous uh, knowledge systems. We need to go back there and say, where maize uh, production is not working, where maize production is uh, harming the environment, why can we not go back and do uh, farming of small grains, particularly in low agricultural output areas where the use of hybrid seeds is even causing more uh, harm than good. We need to transform the way we, we, we view our nutritional needs as well. We need to go back to the, to the indigenous knowledge that we've always had and try and extract um, whatever uh, nutritional needs that we have from there instead of engaging in, in hybridization and genetically modified foods. So, yeah, that's been the discussion that I managed to have with Roka. Uh, Rosalili Oshawa-Konze, that, you know, the idea of open pollinated varieties should something be something that should be done and should not be stopped within communities because it's something that has been done for ages and it's something that a lot of people rely on. How many people within our communities can be able to afford to buy these hybrid seeds each and every year? How many women can be able to afford this? How many even those child-dead families can be able to then be, to go and buy new hybrid seeds each and every year? And um, in a way, this is a relationship with climate change in that most open pollinated varieties, they are believed to be climate resilient, which is an, then be able to help in terms of the yields that will come from there because these seeds usually they are able to adapt to the climate change on the climate changes that are coming in you know we're dealing with climate effects in most of the african countries that we are in, in most of the communities that we're coming from and it's something that even 
whether the people that are within communities know anything about climate change or not, but it's something that is really affecting them one way or the other. And with these hybrid seeds, there's a challenge, um, you know, in terms of food shortages in times where there is bad weather. And it's something that is then also a challenge in terms of how the inputs usually they have, you know, they are pricey, they are costly. And someone can come in and say that in Zimbabwe we have the Fumbuza, whereby farmers are getting free inputs so that they implement the Fumbuza uh, kind of farming within their areas or within their communities. But however, how sustainable is this Fumbuza system in terms of farming? For how long is the government being going to be able to provide free seeds, free um, you know fertilizers for the people so that they can be able to use? And remember, these seeds are open, um, are hybrid seeds. And at the end of the day, how then is it going to help bring sustainability within our communities after that farming season has come to an end? What then is going to happen to the people who? Um, we're part of this system, who are part of the Fumbuza uh, farming, and how then are they going to benefit? Is this, uh, in, and even looking at this um, Fumbuza system, is it going to benefit each and every farmer? Is every farmer within your community having access to this seed or access to this fertilizer? Is each and every farmer within the area that you're staying having? direct access to these seeds and to these um, inputs. And these are some of the things that we're supposed to take, put in mind so that we make sure that we leave no one behind and we ensure that there is no that gap, especially the gender gap between men and women around this access to the seeds and especially around them being able to do the farming. Because remember at the end of the day, it's the women who do most of these farming and if it then impacts them, then the outputs are going to be affected and this means that you're going to have more communities um, being hunger stricken and more children uh, you know, being affected in terms of the nutrition within communities. Because we're used to communities or to, you know, when we, we go into the farming season, we know how our grannies go to the neighbors and get the seeds, how they go to their aunties and get seeds, how they even know which type of, you know, maize cobs had better outputs. And at the end of the day, how is this going to affect our communities? And in terms of um, with the climate change that is coming in, how then are the hybrid crops being able to deal with these issues? So, you know, having a discussion with someone, they told me that um, traditional varieties, they are, you know, increasingly resilient. And especially if we're going to be facing unpredictable weather conditions. And, um, you know, the greater the resilience, the greater the, the yield that they can be able to have. And the hybrids, they also have good yields, but usually they are affected by bad seasons. And to think about it, how, you know, over the past years, we've been having these, you know, sudden bad seasons. And then what happens to those families that couldn't afford to have more hybrids so that they can do their farming on a larger scale? You know, how is it then going to be 
to affect the household food security or the household food that each and every family is going to be able to afford. And there are people who have been trained within our different communities on how to do seed production. And this seed production, they've been doing it using those traditional varieties so that they ensure that there's food sustainability and food security, as well as to ensure that there's livelihood. Because whenever they would do their farming and they realize that this is a good seed, they keep that seed, they nurture that seed, ensure that there's proper um, seed production of that seed, and ensure that they get as well a livelihood because they would end up even selling, in some cases, some of these good seeds that they would have um, kept uh, over the, 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 the farming season. And this has been has something that has was being done within different communities or different parts of Zimbabwe, and I believe in different parts of Africa, whereby people would then be able to even earn you know, a living through selling these um, uh, traditional variety seeds at an affordable price and at an affordable rate. And it's not always it was not always about people selling these seeds, you know, financially, like in terms of monetary values. People could even do the butter trade kind of, you know, trading whereby the someone could provide a service, like they could come and do marriage or in a someone's farm so that they get the seed or they could exchange Nehuku within their different communities. So then how then are hybrid seeds, you know, producers going to be able to offer such a service within communities? So now we're looking at the gaps around food crisis or, you know, food security within households. How are those people who are not financially stable going to be able to, to do their own farming? How are they going to be able to secure food within their different communities or their different households? How, how are they going to be able to provide for their families or easily the children? And I think this um, this seed act has an effect on the livelihoods of many people. And I think it's in conclusion, I would, rather, I would say that let the farmers be able to choose whether they want to use traditional variety seeds or these OPCCs, or they want to use hybrid seeds. So let it be a choice to the farmer on which variety they want to use. And it shouldn't be something that is restricted to say they're supposed to use certain or specific type of seeds. And um, there's also the role of the community. You know, there are those seed banks that are within communities. And those seed banks are very essential, they're very crucial because they are used in times when things are not well, in times when, you know, the the economy is not really functioning well or even when the weather or the climate change is now giving more of an impact on what is in different fields. And I think this is something that communities need to know about. They need to know about these seeds and they need to have a choice on which seed that they need to use and we see that they need to be using for specific uh, farming season so that they can be able to help better yields and better results. So yeah, thank you for listening to our podcast and I'd like to give special uh, thanks to Rosalie for ensuring that she was available to respond to, um, to the questions regarding 
open polymer variety seeds. And this has been able to, I, I just hope this has been able to give me an eye opener in terms of how these seeds can be able to help in terms of climate change and how we can be able to adapt as communities and as a nation so that we have better food security in our country. Do listen to the following podcast and don't remember to share. Uh, if it's on Twitter, make sure that you retweet. On Facebook, make sure you share and do share your views and opinions because these are the things that I would really appreciate or we would really appreciate so that we can be able to make our podcasts better and they can better have a wider reach and a wider audience. Thank you.